Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hi, I'm Brad Hirschfield, and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Today we are exploring Daf Lamud Hay, 35, of Masechet Shabbat. The Daf continues to explore multiple definitions of Ben Hashmashot, and leads from there into discussions of when nightfall occurs, leading to a rich description of the customs by which Jewish communities, both in the land of Israel and in Babel, would announce that Shabbat was coming and ultimately, in fact, had arrived. Now, before we get to that, uh, this daf also contains the passage, which is the source for the presence of three stars as the time marked for nightfall, and therefore for the end of Shabbat. That can be found on Lamed Hay Amud Bet, about three lines from the top of the daf of the Amud. Amar Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel. Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, Kochav Echad Yom. If you see one star in the sky, it is still day. Shnaim ben hashmashot. If you see two stars in the sky, it is ben hashmashot. Shlosha laila. If you see three stars in the sky, that is truly night. Tanya nami hachi. We also learned in an additional brayta. Kochav echad yom. Shnaim ben hashmashot. Shlosha laila. One star is day. Two stars, it is Ben Hashmashot. Three stars, it is night. Amar Rabbiosi, Lo kochavim gdolim hanirin beyom. The lo kochavim ktanim, she'en nirin, ela balayla, ela benonim. So Rabbiosi added, not simply the big stars, or not really the big stars which appear or are visible in the daytime, and not the small stars, which are only visible at nighttime, but the middle-sized stars. So, three stars, three middle-sized stars. Now, one might ask, why is this the measure, three middle-sized stars? In addition, why do we have this additional measure of when nightfall is, given that on the previous Amud, we had made the claim that nightfall occurs when there is even darkness or degrees of darkness between what the Gemara describes as the upper sky and the lower sky. And when they are uniformly dark, it is dark. Now, some of the Rishonim point out that this is probably because it was hard for the average person to figure out exactly what that measure was, 
but people could become accustomed to what a middle-sized star was and knew which ones to look for. Now, this is also interesting because it's clear then that the sages were looking for a more readily accessible and more easily determinable by the common person measure for when nightfall had occurred and when Shabbat was in fact over. This seems to be the exact opposite of what we're going to find a little further down the daf on Lamed Hay Amud Bet about when Shabbat commences, and the parallel is fairly striking. Tanura Banan, Sheish Tkiot Tokin Erev Shabbat. There were six blasts of the shofar that were blown on Erev Shabbat on Friday afternoon. Rishonah. The first blast was to announce to people to stop working in the fields. The second blast, presumably a bit later, was in order to get people who were working in the cities and in stores to stop work. The third blast, yet some time later, Lahadlik et haner was in order to get people to light candles. Divrei Rabbi Natan, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi Omer, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi said that was the shlishit. Lachlotz tefillin was for the purpose of taking off tefillin. The people wore tefillin all day, or at least men wore tefillin all day. Though possibly women, some women did anyway, because there's a discussion whether they can or not in other parts of the Gemara. And once they're asking that question, it seems likely to assume that at least occasionally people were, women were. Uh, in any event, that third blast was in order to get people to take off their tefillin. And then they would wait a specific period of time, enough time to roast a small fish, or to you know, stick some bread on the side of the oven and get it cooking. And then at that point, after the bread had cooked or the fish had roasted, they would blow three blasts, a tekiah, a truah, and a tekiah, and it was Shabbat. Now that's interesting, because according to that description of how the Babylonian community brought in Shabbat, in fact, there was an announcement about when candles were to be lit, but that's not when Shabbat started. They would wait long enough, seemingly even after they had lit Shabbat candles, to do their last cooking. And then there was this public announcement of three, of Tkiah, Truah, Tkiah, and Shabbat really began. So in effect, kind of the opposite of what happens at the end of Shabbat, the determinant of nightfall, is readily accessible to the commoner. And yet here, people were lighting candles, according to this source, before Shabbat was actually beginning. And then there was an official announcement that now Shabbat has really begun. And at that point, nothing more could occur. And so it seems that, not surprisingly, given that when Shabbat really begins, a whole variety of things are truly prohibited, the sages wanted to be sure that that was clear 
to everyone, no matter who they were. And so there was an official announcement. But the end of Shabbat, because the end of Shabbat is nightfall, the beginning of Shabbat before nightfall, the end of Shabbat could run longer. And so there, their primary concern was to make it readily accessible, but knowing that at the back end, they had added on. Now, whether that's because they weren't treating those last parts of Shabbat with the same degree of sanctity or not, that seems not to be the case. But it does seem to be a recognition that in, when they're expanding, they want to leave that in common people's hands. But when it comes to hard boundaries that were not of their making, but that they felt they inherited, they took responsibility for announcing that to all people, making sure they could understand it and know when it was happening, regardless of how much or how little they knew. The last thing I would point out in that regard would be to recall that back on Daf Lamed, when we explored the reason for lighting Shabbat candles and described that it was more than simply a matter of bringing in Shabbat, but that it was a ritual with a larger purpose, that seems to be the case here as well. If, in fact, lighting Shabbat candles were simply about marking the beginning of Shabbat, then that third blast would be the final blast. It would be done. One would light candles, and it was over. Clearly, the rabbis understood the Shabbat candles were not simply about that. They, in fact, had traditions that took responsibility for announcing the onset of Shabbat, reminding us yet again that there is a larger purpose and deeper meaning to why we light candles. That was what we had discussed back on Dath Lamed. Whether or not these sugyot are directly connected, we can't determine here, but it's certainly worth noting that there are larger literary awarenesses that are shot through this entire chapter and, in fact, this entire Masechet. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daft Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.